Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. It is one of the most anticipated events on the tennis calendar. Those dreams will be made in the concrete jungle. What a year, what a summer. The final measure of the year. Oh, no way! What a point! How good is that? In the heat. Tremendous tennis. Under the lights. A moment of magic. With all the noise. Daniil Medvedev wins his first major title from unknown to major champion in a single summer. Emma Raducanu wins the U.S. Open. New York, baby. Yeah, New York, New York. All eyes going to be on Serena Williams. Whenever we get to witness greatness one more time, it's a win for tennis. For Nadal, where is he physically? That's going to be the big question, kind of back on the hard courts. Where are we at with Iga Sviantec? Sviantec just looked a little vulnerable. We'll see how she regroups for New York. This, this, this. This, this. This, this is the US Open. Yeah, New York, New York. The bright lights, the big city. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Welcome to TC Live at the U.S. Open, presented by Evian. Whether you like Frank Sinatra or Jay-Z, the vibe is the same. The world's best tennis players are back, looking to make it to the head of the heap, king of the hill, in the concrete jungle where dreams are made. The city that never sleeps, buzzing for the year's final major. And the only guaranteed here... An unparalleled atmosphere with electricity that could light up the city's skyline. Our featured matches on day one filled with fireworks. Serena Williams under the lights in her final U.S. Open. Defending men's champ Daniil Medvedev, teenage superstar Coco Golf, and Nick at night against his good friend and doubles partner. TC Live, your two-hour pregame show to get you ready for first ball every single day. Come on in. Steve Weissman, back with Grand Slam champion, coach to the stars, Paul Anacone. We've got Canadian superstar, former world number five, Jeannie Bouchard. And from 60 Minutes in Sports Illustrated, John Wertheim, back with us as well. Before we get to all the big storylines, a big welcome to Jeannie, back with us for the first time since last summer. You're back on the court. Jeannie, how's it going? Thank you. Yes, I'm so happy to be back with my TC fam. Uh, I spent some time here a year ago, and so it's great to come back for an, a little visit again. But I'm more happy for sure to be back on the court. I played in the U.S. Open Qualies last week. It was my second event back, and uh, shoulders feeling good, so I'm excited. You know, you and I talked about it, right? Get the match reps up, get used to playing those matches. But speaking about the matches, what do you think about New York, the conditions this year, the speed of the courts, balls, all that stuff? 
Well, it, it's always a great atmosphere in New York, even in the qualities. You know, we had some fans come out to watch us. Um, in terms of the court, I felt like it was pretty slow. And so I felt it was very effective if you can get the ball deeper. And so in my, my first round match, I played a girl who gave me a lot of time and it was a very kind of slow back and forth. But in my second round match, I played a young Czech girl and she was really belting the ball very deep. And that was hard for me because the ball flies through the air and then it really stops once it bounces. So the deeper you can get it, the more effective you'll be. Make one prediction for this tournament. We are going to be saying the draw is wide open many, many times. We're coming off a year. Also, the defending champion came to the qualies last year. Do you sense this, this possibility on the grounds in the locker room? I do think a lot of the girls in the locker room believe that they can do well. Um, I think they see that it's open. They see that surprise champions, unseated champions, qualifiers win these hardcore events. Caroline Garcia uh, won in Cincinnati last week, and I think that just can show you that, I mean, she's a great player, of course, but that anyone can kind of come through. And so I think it makes for a really exciting tournament. A lot to get to over the next couple hours. Of course, the biggest storyline at this year's U.S. Open, Serena Williams could be playing her final tournament. She's playing singles and doubles with her sister Venus. Serena did not speak at Media Day, but everybody else spoke about her. She's like the biggest force in the sport. Um, and that's not like intentionally trying to like make Federer or Nadal smaller. I just think like she's the biggest thing that will ever be in the sport. And um, it's just really an honor just to watch her play. Like for me, Serena's achieved so much in the game and, you know, to be playing for this long, I think it's really inspiring and um, just, just shows her drive. And, and it's just quite incredible how, how dominating she has been. She's shown me how to be strong, how to be independent, how to fight for what you believe in and fight for your dreams. And seeing that she's been doing that since the very beginning of her career, even now, like, she's still doing it. It's still so inspiring. She's always going to be considered the GOAT because she didn't dominate one generation. She didn't dominate two generations. She dominated for three-plus generations, and I don't think anybody else did that. So um, that's why um, it's sad to see her leave, but also at the same time, um, you know, she's doing, she's going to do completely a bunch of amazing things um, off the court. It is a big celebration for Serena, six-time champ here. Serena was just 17 when she won her first U.S. Open singles title in 1999 over Martina Hingis, one of five Hall of Famers she beat that year. Coco and Emma still weren't born by the time Serena won her second in 2002. Williams, of course, also won two doubles titles, a mixed title as well. Paul, what are your thoughts as this could be Serena's last tournament played? Yeah, it's always amazing, right, when we see great players kind of wind down their careers. There's a lot of people that we look at that, that are terrific athletes and superstars in their sports, but there's very few that transcend their sport, you know, that bring it to different levels, that bring it to different platforms. And that's what Serena has done, right? She has made it an awe-inspiring experience for everybody, what she's done on and off the court. And she's embraced the social responsibility that she feels to make sure Everyone knows the message of equality and the possibility and what uh, head, heart, and talent combined can create. So, I mean, it's just amazing what she's done in, in a very um, kind of, I guess, systematic way. It's, it's sad. I always hate when great players stop because they add so much. So I think we really want to celebrate this week. It's been so strange. I mean, she, she's, north, yeah, she's north of 40 years old. She's won one match over the last 12 months. 
we all sort of were playing this parlor game. How was she going to retire? Where was she going to retire? And then the announcement came out, and it was, it was shocking um, as much as we expected it. I'm just happy that she's doing this at the U.S. Open. She's had sort of an on-again, off-again relationship with this event, but it's her home slam. As you say, that's where she broke through when she was 17 years old. She'll get a great send-off. We hope it lasts more than one round. Regardless, she'll get a nice send-off from the U.S. Open. I think that's not something she's always had in her career. Yes, I really agree with that. I think as a fan, we're all so lucky to be able to watch her play for the last time, knowing she's going to retire. I was kind of hesitant. I thought she would maybe just pull the plug and never step back on mm -hmm. the court again. So I think to have this chance to, to watch greatness one more time is really special. And so, you know, I grew up watching her. I played against her three times. And uh, it's definitely bittersweet and really sad to see such a legend end their career. Maybe not for her, but for all of us, it's so special to know that there is a finality, that we can, you know, celebrate her, which we're going to do throughout this show, throughout this tournament. A lot more to get to over the next two hours here on TC Live. We hear from other big names who honor the legacy of Serena. Plus, it's the return of Prakash Worldwide. Our resident globetrotter hits the streets of New York to get the vibe of the U.S. Open. And tournament director Stacey Allister makes her annual visit before first ball to give us all the latest news. But first, Paul, Jeannie, and John delve into the top storylines of what could be the most open U.S. Open in years on both sides. That, I mean, she's a great player, of course, but that anyone can kind of come through. And so I think it makes for a really exciting tournament. A lot to get to over the next couple hours. Of course, the biggest storyline at this year's U.S. Open, Serena Williams could be playing her final tournament. She's playing singles and doubles with her sister, Venus. Serena did not speak at Media Day, but everybody else spoke about her. She's like the biggest force in the sport. Um, and that's not like intentionally trying to like make Federer or Nadal smaller. I just think like she's the biggest thing that will ever be in the sport. And um, it's just really an honor just to watch her play. Like for me, Serena's achieved so much in the game and, you know, to be playing for this long, I think it's really inspiring and um, just, just shows her drive. And, and it's just quite incredible how, how dominating she has been. She's shown me how to be strong, how to be independent, how to fight for what you believe in and fight for your dreams. And seeing that she's been doing that since the very beginning of her career, even now, like she's still doing it, it's still so inspiring. She's always gonna be considered the GOAT because she didn't dominate one generation, she didn't dominate two generations, she dominated for three plus generations and I don't think anybody else did that. So um, that's why um, it's sad to see her leave, but also at the same time, um, you know, she's doing, she's gonna do completely a bunch of amazing things um, off the court. It is a big celebration for Serena, six-time champ here. Serena was just 17 when she won her first U.S. Open singles title in 1999 over Martina Hingis, one of five Hall of Famers she beat that year. Coco and Emma still weren't born by the time Serena won her second in 2002. Williams, of course, also won two doubles titles, a mixed title as well. 
Paul, what are your thoughts as this could be Serena's last tournament played? Yeah, it's always amazing, right, when we see great players kind of wind down their careers. There's a lot of people that we look at that, that are terrific athletes and superstars in their sports, but there's very few that transcend their sport, you know, that bring it to different levels, that bring it to different platforms. And that's what Serena has done, right? She has made it an awe-inspiring experience for everybody, what she's done on and off the court. And she's embraced the social responsibility that she feels to make sure Everyone knows the message of equality and the possibility and what uh, head, heart, and talent combined can create. So, I mean, it's just amazing what she's done in, in a very um, kind of, I guess, systematic way. It's, it's sad. I always hate when great players stop because they add so much. So I think we really want to celebrate this week. It's been so strange. I mean, she, she's, north, yeah, she's north of 40 years old. She's won one match over the last 12 months. We all sort of were playing this parlor game. How was she going to retire? Where was she going to retire? And then the announcement came out. And it was it was shocking um, as much as we expected it. I'm just happy that she's doing this at the U.S. Open. She's had sort of an on-again, off-again relationship with this event, but it's her home slam. As you say, that's where she broke through when she was 17 years old. She'll get a great send-off. We hope it lasts more than one round. Regardless, she'll get a nice send-off from the U.S. Open. I think that's not something she's always had in her career. Yes, I really agree with that. I think as a fan, we're all so lucky to be able to watch her play for the last time, knowing she's going to retire. I was kind of hesitant. I thought she would maybe just pull the plug and never step back on mm -hmm. the court again. So I think to have this chance to, to watch greatness one more time is really special. And so, you know, I grew up watching her. I played against her three times. And uh, it's definitely bittersweet and really sad to see such a legend end their career. Maybe not for her, but for all of us, it's so special to know that there is a finality, that we can, you know, celebrate her, which we're going to do throughout this show, throughout this tournament. A lot more to get to over the next two hours here on TC Live. We hear from other big names who honor the legacy of Serena. Plus, it's the return of Prakash Worldwide. Our resident globetrotter hits the streets of New York to get the vibe of the U.S. Open. And tournament director Stacey Allister makes her annual visit before first ball to give us all the latest news. But first, Paul, Jeannie, and John delve into the top storylines of what could be the most open U.S. Open in years on both sides. Jeannie, John, Paul, and Steve back on TC Live presented by Evian. Download the U.S. Open app to follow your favorite players, track the latest scores, stats, match highlights, player news, and much more. Available in the App Store and Google Play Store. Time now to break down the biggest storylines on the men's side. And let's start with Rafa Nadal. He is the only member of the big three playing at the U.S. Open this year. He'll be looking for his third major of the season and 23rd overall. Incredible stuff. Let's hear what Rafa had to say before the tournament. Here I am practicing. I am doing uh, the things the best way <laughs> that I can. And uh, I hope to be ready for the action. No, that's, that's the only thing that I, I, I can say. No, just uh, I have what I have. And uh, with the tools that I have today, I, I hope to be competitive enough to, to give myself a chance. From my perspective, I am practicing quite well. <laughs> then <laughs> let's see what, what can happen. No, but I am quite happy with the, with the practices. He's always very honest, so that is good to hear from Rafa Nadal. Take a look at this. This is the board. All-time major title leaders, Nadal, leading everyone. Picked up his 22nd in Paris with his 14th Roland Garros title. He's actually 19-0 at majors this year. One Australia, one Roland Garros, and had to withdraw semifinals at Wimbledon. So hasn't lost a match there. Has played just one match, Paul, since, though, 
that abdominal injury at Wimbledon, lost to Borna Chorich. What are your expectations for Rafa here in New York? Well, the good news is, based on that screen, no one's going to get any closer, right? Yeah. That's, That's right. <laughs> Pete's not playing. Emerson's yeah. not playing. Emerson, I don't, I don't think Rocket's guy. there. Rocket, he might yeah. be there, but he's he not playing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Look, I, it's always so fun to listen to Rafa, and you can see the excitement and, and hear it in his voice, right? The guy just loves to play. You know, he loves to compete. It's always a concern for me when he hasn't gotten the match reps that he likes, and he's only gotten one since Wimbledon, right? He lost uh, to Borna Chorich in Cincinnati, so he hasn't got what he wanted, but he's been there all last week. I had the privilege of being on the court with him one day when he was practicing with Taylor Fritz, so I got to be out there for a little over two hours with him. He's hitting the ball fine. Jeannie's already talked about the conditions there, which is a little bit slower, which helps and hurts him. Mm. It, it hurts him a little bit because it's harder to finish the point. It helps because he's such a great defensive player. So a lot's going to be about his mindset. The one thing I will say with every great player, if they get through the first couple matches, watch out. And for Rafa, magnify that by 10. If he can get past the first couple rounds and play his way in, he's going to be very difficult to stop. I actually think that he has had time to prepare uh, will help him. He didn't do well in Cincinnati. He lost um, his first match. But I think for great players, they sometimes don't need those match reps uh, as opposed to like the normal players like myself where I like playing with a lot of matches. I feel like he's the type where almost like Serena where you can almost just like show up at a tournament and suddenly perform. And uh, he hasn't lost a Grand Slam match this year, so... Why would he lose one this week? <laughs> why, why would he, John? <laughs> Hasn't lost at a major this year. Also, keep in mind, he did not play last year. He did not play the previous year. And he won it in 2019. So he's riding a seven-match win streak at the U.S. Open. I think best of five will help him. It'll get him time to sort of ride out those rough patches. But, yeah, it's strange. I mean, one guy is this titanic champion. Right now he's... Leader of the GOAT race. He hasn't lost at a major. He's won this event multiple times. Why isn't he the favorite? And you say, oh, yeah, well, he's only played one match from Wimbledon, and he didn't win that. So I, I think you're absolutely right. I think if Rafa can play himself into this tournament, he will be the favorite week, too. But, you know, he's, he's riding what is essentially a, a two-match losing streak. Also controls his own destiny to return to world number one if he wins a record-tying fifth title in Flushing Meadows. The current world number one is Daniil Medvedev. He is also the defending champion at the U.S. Open, won his first major title there last year. Here's what he had to say recently. I always uh, love the tournament itself, like love being here, love the energy. Uh, and then for sure, starting f with 2019, uh, starting uh, also playing good here, which uh, which is important. It's still like all these moments and especially the final against Rafa gives me goosebumps because it was something special, which I'm never going to forget, which my team never going to forget because they, they suffered also because of my actions. And then they, they loved what happened in the end. And... Uh, I feel like, yeah, with, in New York, I have a special relationship with the crowd. I have no idea how it's going to go this year, but I'm happy to be here and happy to experience whatever is going to happen. No man has been a repeat champ at the U.S. Open since Roger Federer. That was more than a decade ago, Jeannie. What are your thoughts on Medvedev getting it done? I think he has a good shot at doing it. We all know that Daniel loves the U.S. Open. And as a player, when you feel good at an event, whether it's the city or the courts, that makes you play better. And so we've seen that from him over the years. I also really love his laid-back demeanor. He's... He's defending champ, but he's like, I have no idea how it's going to go. So I, I love that he's not putting pressure on himself, and he's really trying to enjoy the moment and enjoy the parts of New York and the crowd that he loves so much. 
I think that that's a really good point. We have some players come and they say, oh, New York's so chaotic. I haven't gotten used to it. And you're thinking, like, why give that up? That is not Daniil Medvedev. Um, no. I had the chance to talk to him on Thursday in, in Manhattan, and he loves New York. He was signing autographs for the fans. He's very comfortable. You know, he's only won one tournament since he won the title last year, but his record at the U.S. Open speaks for itself. Yeah, he's just one of these guys that, that to me, is just a little bit uh, of, a, of a curious question mark because you don't think at six foot six he should be as great as he is at his game. He, he's probably uh, forgetting Novak, the greatest counterpuncher and defensive player, and he plays in parts of the court at six foot six you shouldn't be able to play in. So, so to me, he is a great strategist. He loves New York. And I think most importantly, because he's had success here, understands what he needs to do in the big moments. And again, going back to conditions, you look mm. at conditions and you combine them with mindset. OK, it's going to be slower conditions. That's good for Medvedev because he's a great defender. And the mindset, well, he's been there before and he's won here. So he knows what that takes. So, again, this guy is going to be very difficult to stop. He's got the most hardcourt wins, finals, and titles over the last five years on the ATP Tour. Then we've got a guy who beat Daniil Medvedev pretty recently. That's Nick Kyrgios. Uh, he has put himself back into contention, the most wins on tour since June, John. But he said, a big part of me just wants the U.S. Open to be over so I can go home, which Nick Kyrgios <laughs> yeah. is going to show up in New York City. <laughs> That's why we brought Genie in to solve the uh, <laughs> riddle of Nick Kyrgios. No, I, I mean, he's had a great summer, the, got to the finals of the previous major, and the guy that beat him is not in the draw. There's a lot of reasons you would pick this guy as, as a contender, and then the counterbalance of that is it's Nick Kyrgios. The draw gods did him no favor. Not, not only does he play his, his doubles partner, Kokonakis, his buddy, round one, but he's lurking there. We just talked about how much we all like Medvedev. Well, that's the first seed Kyrgios would play. I, who knows? He's, uh, he's the 23rd seed, so that's good. I mean, he's not playing a seeded player until the third round, but... Um, he could win this event, and he could lose his first-round match, and I don't think any of us would be particularly surprised either way. I agree completely. I think if there's any player that's a question mark, it's always Nick Kyrgios. I am so happy to see that he has found his form again and living up to more of his talent that we all, I think, expected from him over the past few years. I think he's great for tennis. Tennis needs a bad boy. He's the one. His comments that you just mentioned, Steve, prove that exactly. <laughs> he is at a Grand Slam and is talking about wanting to leave and go home. I mean, that is so quintessentially Nick Kyrgios. You know, you can't get more Nick than that. Um, I think he will have a great match tonight, though, because he's playing his friend, and I think they both will go and try to entertain the crowd. I think they'll try to have fun more than even even trying to win the match. Mm. So we don't know what's going to happen, but it'll be entertaining for us for sure. It's such a great uh, a great question with Nick because we just don't know what we're going to get on the moment, right? And, and, you know, we've seen some great tennis from him this summer and here in Washington, D.C., winning the City Open, just playing tremendous tennis, winning singles and doubles. And then continuing to play well throughout the summer. I, I know in Cincinnati, look, he, he said he was tired. He was tired. And it's a lot of matches for a guy like this, especially to win, who has, I think, the amazing amount of talent, but also it's emotionally really draining for him to play because of the volatility, I think. It takes more out of him because he's so emotional about it. So I can see why he's a little bit feeling like the fuel tank's low, but I have a sneaking suspicion once he hears the crowd in New York City and he starts to get going a little bit, it's going to be interesting tonight against a good friend of his. It's really hard when you play a friend in a tournament, so that's going to be tough for both of these guys. But if he does get past this, I really want to see Kyrgios Medvedev. <laughs>
that one I will watch from start to finish. Anytime Nick takes the court. Listen, I am all eyes on the television. He is box office. Can't wait to see that. Plus, he's playing doubles with Tanasi Kokonakis. They won the Australian Open. That's the men. We're talking about the women when we come back, and that means Coco Golf. Our experts say whether the 18-year-old can win her first major title. Stay with us. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Welcome back, Paul, Steve, Jeannie, John on TC Live at the U.S. Open, presented by Evian. Emma Raducanu made history last year. The first qualifier, man or woman, to ever win a major singles title. So how is the defending champ feeling coming back to New York City? I think it's really nice to be back in New York. I mean, it's great for me to come here having done a year on the tour and uh, have, have having played most of the tournaments. Um, I'm... Yeah, I'm really happy to, with, you know, what I've sort of done this year and how, how I've come out of certain situations. But, um, yeah, I've obviously got amazing memories in New York. It's, you know, got to be up there as one of my favorite tournaments. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just happy to be back in the city as well. Well, the last woman to defend her title in New York was Serena Jeannie. What is it like to back up a big performance, a big breakthrough the very next year? Well, first of all, I hope she really enjoys this moment, walking around a Grand Slam, being the reigning champion. I think that's a special moment in someone's life. So to, first of all, just absorb feeling that good at a tournament. I do think it will be tough for her to defend. Uh, it's, it's really hard for anyone to do. And I feel like there's extra pressure on her to do it as well. I know in the press, which we didn't show here, but she was a little irritated when she got asked about um, defending and the pressure and she kind of responded like, you know, the press is one, the ones who make up defending titles and you guys are more concerned with pressure than I am. And so, um, you know, if she can just handle that and, and keep it together, then I think she'll have a better chance. But um, it's definitely there in her head and it's what people are talking about. How about Jeannie jumping right in there, understanding the whole journalistic <laughs> side, Jay, the red, understanding all the pressure that the press put in. But it's a great point, right? When you see a player getting agitated, it's something that kind of sets off a little trigger in your mind because that means maybe they're a little bit on edge. And what Jeannie said is spot on. She has to go into this and just enjoy it. Just remember what she did last year. Have a great time. Look, she's doing, uh, she's doing fine. Unfortunately, when you win 10 matches in a row and you win the U.S. Open, and you live in the UK where life is in a fishbowl. There's a lot, I mean, the focus on her is incredible. It is an immense amount of pressure. So no wonder she's feeling a lot of, uh, a lot of that self-imposed pressure, but also the external pressure. So I think she's just got to go out and play. And look, Jeannie and I were talking about this beforehand. The women's draw, there's a lot of parity. There's a huge amount of opportunity. Is she one of the names in there? Absolutely. But there's probably almost 20 others you could throw in there as well. Oh, and her Track record speaks for itself. Anyone can win, you know what? Because I did that last year coming right. from the quality draw. I mean, she has a rough first-round match against Alizé Cornet, who's going to set a record and play in her 63rd straight oh. major. Um, I wonder if it isn't a disguised blessing for Raducanu if she 
does not have a smashing U.S. You know what? The, the, the points will go, but so will the pressure that you talk about. Careers are long. She's, already, you know, she's 19. She's won. She's made millions of dollars. Like, life's good. If the spotlight backed off a little, I wonder if that doesn't help her long term. John Wertheim, the sports <laughs> psychologist. I love See? you. Going you like that? Diving in there, putting the glasses half We're full. I love all it. All about easy, you know. But he's right. He's 100%. 100%. It's a win win for her either way. She's still a teenager. Yeah, te She's got exactly. plenty exactly. of time. A lot of runway. Yep. You brought up her first round opponent, Alize Cornet. Tough. The yeah, French tough. woman is the player that ended the 37 match win streak of the top seed and the world number one, Iga Sviantek. What a streak it was. 37 wins in a row, longest in more than 30 years. But she has come back down to earth, going 4-4 four and four in her last eight matches, John. Which Iga shows up in New York? Yeah, that's a great question. And you sort of go big picture on this. She got this sort of battlefield promotion to number one, and boy, did she step right into that role. 37 matches. Again, that's one of the great streaks in recent history. Six tournaments. And since then, it's been rough going. She has been very vocal, uh, complaining about the equipment. She doesn't like the tennis balls at the U.S. Open. I don't know why. I mean, you, you tell me, but I don't know. Is that a tell to the opponent? I don't know why you'd make a, an issue like that and make your opponent aware you were so uncomfortable. That's exactly what I was thinking. I mean, she's it's clearly something that's in the back of her mind. And so I wonder when she gets on the court, if she starts missing, she'll start thinking about the balls and, and complaining about them even more. Um, the balls are light. They do fly. Some players like it, some players don't. Um, and I personally do like that style of ball. I know a lot of other players actually voiced um, that they liked it as well. I think there was Madison Keys and Kvitova who liked the balls flying through the air more. Um, so Iga is a player who does not prefer that. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's the conditions and you just have to handle those. Yeah, and I think it's really important for her team, the people around her. You ask, well, what do you do about it, right? We know we heard that in Cincinnati. You know, if you're in her corner, if you're part of her team, the whole time this preparation is about, okay, it is what it is. What do we do? How do we get you in the right frame of mind so that you accept it? You can't control it, so you just accept it and move on. So this week, there should have been a lot of conversation with her team about saying, these are the conditions. This is New York. Here are the balls. This is the, court of the, this is the speed of the court. What are we going to do now so that you're in that relentless competitive mind where you don't get negative and don't create doubt? Iga Sviantek never been past the fourth round at the U.S. Open, but she won her second major of the year, second major of her career earlier this year against Coco Gauff. And the 18-year-old American is looking to take it one step further at the U.S. Open, get her first major title. She is on the cover of New York Times Magazine. She is on the verge of the top ten in singles, Paul. She's already number one in the world in doubles. Everything is coming up Coco can she take it one step further, Paul? Well, I don't see why not. You know, we've talked about a number of those names, and she's one of them. There's no reason why, when you look at this, this board and her credentials and the fact that she's been in the finals of Roland Garros, she's getting more comfortable at the elite level of the game, number one in the world in doubles. So I think she's understanding more and more what needs to be done. She's accepting it. She's, in my opinion, one of the best relentless competitors out there. No matter what's going on, she tries to figure out how to problem solve. And with her skill set, she can do that. The two question marks we talk about technically is our forehand and her serve, her second serve, what's going to happen under pressure. So that's going to be about her and her team to figure out, just like talking about the tennis balls, but you can control 
your serve. You can control your forehand. How do you find safe targets and pressure? How do you relinquish the pressure when there is a little bit of a flaw in your game? And she's so great. To me, it's, it's not a matter of if, it's just when. And it could be here. But I'm a little concerned about a couple of things. One is, and most importantly, the ankle that she hurt in Cincinnati. She 100% ready to go. She says she is, so let's hope so. And the second thing is what happens in the big pressure moments. Is she ready to sit back and problem solve with the strokes that are a little bit more vulnerable to her? Should be interesting. Uh, you're New Balance. Coco is New Balance. That, that New York Times magazine, the the cover story, it said, can Coco Goff, the tennis prodigy, become a tennis legend? We just talked about a teenager. She's only 18. How does she handle that kind of pressure? It's a lot, but I think there's so much upside to Coco. I think she's a great player. I think the conditions at the U.S. Open can be helpful for her. So there's that. And I do believe that she she's such a competitor, like Paul said, that she can maybe bring the crowd into it. I've seen her previous U.S. Open matches, and the crowd goes crazy, and she's just finding a way to win and, and succeeding a lot of the time. So I wouldn't put a passer to, to make a big run here. Um, and then I think... At the end, it would just come down to if she can handle the moment. Being an American, playing at the U.S. Open is obviously another layer of pressure. We keep talking about pressure all morning, but that's what tennis is. It's pressure very is mental. a privilege. It is a privilege, <laughs> as the great BJK said, but um, you got to be able to, to learn how to handle it. And, and she's so young, so I just think there's just so much greatness ahead for her. In keeping with our pressure theme, I mean, you, you can't exaggerate how big Coco is in New York right now. I mean, outside the Players Hotel, there is a billboard with Coco. You drive out to the site and you go through the Midtown Tunnel, and the first face you see is, is Coco. She's really become sort of the, the face of this tournament. It's funny, though, that we, we talk as much about sort of technical side of her game as we do any of the pressure because she is – seen herself as being she's completely comfortable again she, she's out there on kids day she loves doubles there is so much to like about her fitting into this tennis culture I would think that a little bit of a hitchy serve or a hitchy forehand is much easier to clean up than someone who isn't comfortable with with all the attention she's getting. But that's why we talk about her strokes I'm not worried about yeah, her mentality right, exactly. at all the mentality is not going to be a problem right. but the strokes are the one thing that once in a while we see it creep in and Jeannie as you know in the big moments under pressure if you're great mentally, that's perfect. But if you're great mentally but have a little bit of doubt about a shot, that's a problem. And that's going to show up quarters, semis, finals of a major. In the last 18 majors on the women's side, we have had 10 first-time champions. I say, why not, Coco? Our experts are going to make their predictions on who's going to win it all coming up later in the show. Coverage of the U.S. Open begins every morning with our two-hour TC Live pregame show, 9 a.m. Eastern. ESPN carries the day session at noon and the night session at 7 p.m. Eastern. Much more still to come after this. TC Live at the U.S. Open is brought to you in part by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. A reminder, usopen.org is your online home for point-by-point -point live scoring, highlights, real-time stats, and draws. Visit the official tournament site at usopen.org. Steve Weissman back with you, and one of the great first-round stories this year is Taylor Fritz playing Brandon Holt. Their history goes back nearly 15 years, winning a junior doubles title together. But their moms took the court 30 years before that, with Hall of Famer Tracy Austin defeating former top 10 player Kathy May in 1978. It all comes full circle today. 
You can pick that match and much more. Tennis Channel's Racket Bracket Contest is back for the U.S. Open. Pick the winners in Flushing Meadows for a chance to win gift cards from Tennis Point. Act fast because the deadline, 11 a.m. Eastern today. Sign up now at tennis.com slash play. Well, still to come on TC Live, we are joined by U.S. Open Tournament Director Stacey Allister, plus 44 Americans in the singles draw, who's got the best shot to win it all. And Jeannie Bouchard tackles our match point predictor game. Next up, our Tennis Honor Series. Serena Williams continues. You don't want to miss Madison Keys on how the six-time U.S. Open champ inspired her. Anacone, Bouchard, Worth, Hyman, Weissman back on TC Live at the U.S. Open presented by Evian. There is so much excitement to witness Serena Williams for perhaps the final time at the U.S. Open. Her essay in Vogue earlier this month announcing her farewell to the sport she has dominated for decades. Throughout the next two weeks, we will continue our tennis honor series on Serena. And today, the entire tennis world paying tribute. When I started to play tennis, when I first started to watch tennis on TV a little bit, Serena was already at the top of the game and uh, winning Grand Slams, and uh, I was like six years old. I think over 20 years ago when Serena started playing tennis, I don't think anyone would have expected her to play into her 40s. Chasing history, I think that became a really big part of the story of Serena. She loved proving everybody wrong. We were lucky to have a huge, uh, great ambassador like Serena for such a, a long time. If I had one word to describe Serena Williams, it would be GOAT. She's the best of all time. No matter the Grand Slam, whatever that is, I think that she has proved that over the years she has been the most consistent and strong player. Well, there's a lot of things that makes her greatest of all time. I always think about her serve. The best serve ever. And the guys agree with me. She absolutely had the greatest presence I have ever seen on a tennis court. The power of her game. Every time she walked on a tennis court, you knew this was the greatest. Serena was very important to making tennis more popular around the world and certainly bringing more attention to it from minorities. I mean, when you saw this black girl playing who was so powerful, who was so dominant. She has reached out and touched people and influenced people's lives, especially young girls, and encouraged them to compete on equal terms. We had a whole new set of fans. I could see a change at all the tournaments and the excitement level. If I had one message for Serena, you're an absolute inspiration and motivation to millions of people worldwide. You actually inspire kids to believe in themselves and achieve something very special if they put their mind to it, no matter where you're from. We all have learned many things from her, and every time we share the court with her, it was a special moment for us. She shows us that it's possible, and she shows us that we can, you know, uh, win so many tournaments, but also be a mother and play at the same time and also have a really great business. Serena has had a major impact not only in tennis or sports, but the whole world. Serena's transcended our sport, gone way beyond the boundaries of just being an athlete, using tennis as a platform and giving back. When you go around the world, you don't even have to mention tennis. If you just said Serena to anybody, anywhere, you're almost certainly going to have that person finish your sentence 
Williams. She's sort of like a Michael Jordan or like a Wayne Gretzky and uh, Roger Federer, where she's just um, sort of transcends the sport. She's that powerful, she's that popular, uh, she's meant that much to, to so many. I think it's very appropriate that, uh, you know, her last tournament comes at the US Open when she decides, and I hope that she really gets the goodbye that she deserves. If I had one message for Serena Williams, it would be congratulations on the most incredible career. Big thank you for what you gave to this sport. Beautiful words, a one-name superstar. You say Tom, uh, may not be sure that Brady would follow that. You say Serena, you know it's Williams with the greats. Gretzky in hockey, Jordan in hoops, Nicholas on the golf course, Babe Ruth in baseball, Serena Williams arguably the greatest athlete, male or female, of all time. Jeannie is the only human on this set that has had the experience <laughs> of playing against Serena Williams. You've done it a few times, Jeannie. Uh, what was it like? Yes, Steve. Well, uh, in real matches, I'm 0-3, my record against her, although I did win a match at the Hotman Cup, which is an exhibition, but in Take my it. head, it still Take counts, it. right? <laughs> Thank you, guys. Um, and the first time I played her, I was, I think, like 18, and it was at Cincinnati, the warm-up event for the U.S. Open, and I remember calling my mom before the match, and I said to my mom, I'm scared I'm going to lose 6-love, six 6-love. Six like, I think I might not get a game, and then I went out there, and I won the first set, and so it just shows, you know, uh, just got to go out there and get past those mental blocks. I did lose two and two in the next two sets um, <laughs> and never actually got more than two games in any other set every time I played her. Um, but, you know, it was just uh, an honor to share the court with her. Every time I would play against her, it would just be, um, you know, so special and so incredible. And, you know, she would hit the serve and it would hit the back fence before I even realized, like, what happened. And it was she was very, very hard to play. I like that story. I, I like that story because I, I think that also underscores something we don't talk enough about with, with all the great athletes, which is for the opponent, for the player in this case on the other side of the net, it's their Super Bowl. I mean, they're, they're calling their mom with predictions. It's a big moment for them. Imagine you're Serena Williams and every time you play, your opponent is getting up for this match. They know everything about you. It's a career moment for them. And I think that is something that we don't talk enough about that, that that's that's not a fair fight I mean when the, uh, the when the opponent is seeing this as a potential life-changing match and for you it's Tuesday in Cincinnati <laughs> that, that's a real impact I think that's something we don't give her enough credit for yeah that aura though of Serena Williams maybe gave her a, a few games just yeah. stepping out onto the court when you think of Serena at least on the court one of the big words that stands out power she brings that that force that power to reserve every aspect of the game time for Wilson beautiful power brought to you by the all-new ultra v4 and Paul some big hitting in the lead-ups. Canada, Cincy, is that Serena Power the same as it ever was? I don't think it's the same as it ever was consistently, but it's there periodically, and there's no substitute for it. She's one of the few athletes in the world that can take this much power, combine it with strategy, competitiveness, and also the ability to use it under pressure, and that's what we've seen for so many years. So you don't just erase that in someone's mind, and our own Jim Courier summed it up so well when he said, all you have to do is say, Serena and basically everybody around the world will know who you're talking about so when you look at this woman's power and you look at the accolades and all those wonderful shots Wilson just brought to us you know why she's been able to do this but still you have to sit back and scratch your head and go how is she able to do this for that many years so well because it's been an amazing run plays her first round match tonight under the lights Arthur Ashe Stadium she's 20-0 first round at the U.S. Open and by the way last 12 times she's played there 
made at least the quarterfinals. Expect a deep run for Setting Serena Williams. Up. Setting it up. Coming up next, U.S. Open Tournament Director Stacy Allister joins us. We'll find out what the tournament has planned for Serena Williams. Welcome back to TC Live. Cadillac player arrivals. There's the two-time champ, Naomi Osaka. Jeannie, what's that, that trip like from the hotel to site? Don't talk about traffic. <laughs> well, listen, <laughs> I have to admit that the U.S. Open drive from the hotel to the courts is the worst one out of all the Grand Slams. <laughs> <laughs> the you worst the one. the truth or what? No, yeah, it's good. You're here it, for the it's, truth. It's the furthest, um, you know, travel time because we're in the city. We have to get out to Queens. There's sometimes traffic, so you got to just plan a big buffer and then if there's no traffic that's great but then you're just at the site super early so sometimes players get car sick in the car so it's, it's, it's an additional thing to deal with on top of actually beautiful playing views you get to see queen nothing like the tunnel right yeah, baby yeah. exactly any players ever stay in queens I've thought about it. I'm like, are there hotels out here? We, I feel like we should. We would save so much time and avoid so much traffic. But then I think a lot of the players love going to the restaurants in the city yeah, as well. And so then we wouldn't be able to do that. But we are here for tennis and not for socializing. So, And everybody there to play for that $2.6 million top prize. It is time now for our Bloomberg Business Update. Time now for a special update for the Tennis Channel. Global markets are under pressure as investors continue to digest Friday's message from Fed Chair Jay Powell. Central banker reinforced that policy is focused on fighting inflation despite risks of recession. There will be another test of the Fed's priorities on Friday when the U.S. jobs report is released. The employment figures have shown resilience despite economic growth falling for the past two quarters. And Goldman Sachs is recommending that investors buy commodities. The bank is touting that the pullback in oil makes it an attractive investment and one that will benefit from the European power crisis. That brings us to Europe, where energy prices in France have topped 1,100 euros per megawatt hour for the first time ever. Electricity prices in the region are about 10 times more expensive than this time last year. From London, Sarah Report, Bloomberg News. All right, thank you so much. If you're in the tri-state area, you are invited to enjoy this waterfront tennis court at Brookfield Place, presented by American Express. This collaboration with Tennis Channel is open daily until September 1st. When we come back, we will check in on the Americans. We're watching TC Live, presented by Evian. Jeannie Paul, John Steve back on TC Live at the U.S. Open, presented by Evian. 44 Americans in the singles draw, 23 women, 21 men. Here are the seated Americans playing on day one. Taylor Fritz, Tommy Paul, Maxime Cressy, you got Maddie Keys, Ali Risk, Shelby Rogers as well. It is time for the debut of Americans in Action, presented by Evian. Taylor Fritz, Paul said he thinks American men can contend for majors right now. Let's start with him. Fritz is taking on Brandon Holt, fellow American. These two uh, go back to 2008 when they played a 10-and-under SoCal sectional juniors match. This is Tracy Austin's son, Brandon Holt. Got through three rounds of qualifying. There is Tracy. You see what it means to see B qualify. Oh, I was texting her throughout all of this. So awesome to see Brandon Holt qualify for his first major main draw this he got a wild card into qualies 
They've been practicing together at Carson, Taylor, and, and Brandon. How cool is this? That's amazing. I mean, it's really, it's, it's great. I got to see kind of the last half of the third set of that match, which was so much fun. I was so happy for Tracy. Uh, so special for a parent. But how about for that parent that's won the tournament to see her son do that? Um, Brandon and, and Taylor go way back. And uh, you told me, didn't they play the 10 and under match? Yeah, or something? 2008, they played a couple <laughs> times, 2010. They won a junior's doubles yeah, title together. Yeah, I mean, look, both from Southern Cal, it's great that they're playing each other. It's a shame that it's first round, but it's a great effort for Brandon to qualify. And Taylor's been playing some, some really good tennis. So I think this is going to be a, it should be a great experience for them both. I actually think it's a little tougher for anyone that's supposed to win a match like that. So I think it's a little tougher mentally for Taylor because he's supposed to win. And if I'm Brandon, I'm swinging from my shoe tops, having a great, great time. Genie is somebody who, you know, has the possibility of qualifying. What kind of confidence do you get from playing those three matches before a tournament? Yeah, listen, qualifying is really no joke to win three matches in a row. There's a lot of great competition, even if it's in the qualifying draw. I've played qualies obviously last week here at the U.S. Open, but a, a years ago as well at Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. And um, it was it was a grind to get through. And you have confidence and you've played on the courts as well. The U.S. Open qualifying is on the same courts as the main draw. So Holt will have that advantage of having been so comfortable already getting that match play in. And he will be having nothing to lose. And that's exactly what Paul said. You know, he's happy to be here swinging for the fences. It's kind of his first big, um, you know, run. And so I think he he should just go out there firing. You imagine that just to I mean your, your mother's a former champion. You have a wild card <laughs> to qualifying. You qualify, and then you're moving up to best of five, which I think is a bit of an adjustment. Who do you get in your first match? A seed who also happens to be someone you've you've known for a long time. I'm curious from the Taylor point of view. What what is a good tournament? We got to the second week of Wimbledon, which was a great result. We've talked about him winning Indian Wells. He comes in as a seed. He's beaten Nick Kyrgios. I mean, there's a lot going on here. What is a good tournament for him? Well, a good tournament for Taylor is is something that's there or thereabouts of where he's ranked, right? I mean, he's right around 12, 13 in the world. So I think he needs to get to the second week uh, to be in a good position for him. Look, he's a perfectionist, loves to compete. And after doing that at Wimbledon, losing a tough match to Rafa and a tie break in the fifth, and then winning Indian Wells, I think this is a year of really a year of reckoning for Taylor to start to realize it's one thing to say something and to hear that you're really good, but all of a sudden now to have tangible proof, your, your internal expectations change, and, and he puts a lot of pressure on himself. So I think he'll be wanting to at least uh, push that envelope of the second week. But, Taylor... Do not look past the first round. <laughs> All that matters right. is the first point of the first round and then every point after that. Oh, so Taylor's right. watching the show. Yeah. That's good to, that's good he's to know. What time is it? Is he awake? Yeah, I, th I think I he should be awake. I hope he's awake, Paul. Mm -hmm. He's fourth on grandstand yeah, today. He's Seriously. late. <laughs> 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 Cannot wait for that one. Brandon Holt, Taylor Fritz. A lot still to get to here on TC Live as we lead up to first ball at the U.S. Open this year. Of course, we've got the match point predictor game and what you've been waiting for. Who will win it all? Jeannie, Paul, and John have the answers. And Prakash is taking over New York. You know him. You love him. You wish your biceps looked like his. Prakash Worldwide with daily reports behind the scenes of the U.S. Open. First one is coming up next. Welcome back to TC Live. Taking a look at our Cadillac player arrivals. There is two-time major champ Petra Kvitova. Looks like she's got some tasty treats. 
Bringing it into the house, getting ready to play tomorrow. Quarterfinalists two times at the U.S. Open. A reminder to enter the match point predictor game from Tennis Channel. Answer questions about the action in Flushing Meadows and earn a chance to win the grand prize trip to next year's U.S. Open. To sign up, go to tennis.com slash play. Here are the questions that we have for you on the match point predictor game. Who will be the men's champion? Who will be the women's champion? Of course, all of our experts will answer those later in the show. But let's come back on set and see what Jeannie Bouchard thinks about what round will Serena Williams reach at the U.S. Open this year. What do you think, Jeannie? So my first thought to that is what I hope or what I think will happen. I obviously hope that Serena can play her last tournament ever with amazing results. Um, you know, we all obviously want to see her go far in her last event. I do think, however, it'll be tough to accomplish that. So I think winning one match will be great. Like, I think that will be, like, a, su a successful tournament for her. All right, so second round would be the answer to the question, what round will she reach? Maybe even further in doubles, though, with her sister, Venus Williams. That would be cool to see. Madison Keys is in the same half of the draw as Serena, and she reflected upon the 23-time major champ. Serena's legacy has been hands down the best tennis career ever. And to see how she's dominated through the last 20 years is really phenomenal because the game has obviously changed a couple of times and she's had so many different opponents who are all at really, really high levels and she just continued to dominate. And I don't think you see that ever. Um, so it's been really, really incredible to watch, and it's really inspiring. We will be celebrating Serena all tournament long with our Tennis Honor Series. And next up, we get you ready with the top storylines of the 2022 U.S. Open. Jeannie, John, Paul, and Steve back on TC Live, presented by Evian. Download the U.S. Open app to follow your favorite players, track the latest scores, stats, match highlights, player news, and much more. Available in the App Store and Google Play Store. Time now to break down the biggest storylines on the men's side. And let's start with Rafa Nadal. He is the only member of the Big Three playing at the U.S. Open this year. He'll be looking for his third major of the season and 23rd overall. Incredible stuff. Let's hear what Rafa had to say before the tournament. Here I am practicing. I am doing uh, the things the best way <laughs> that I can. And uh, I hope to be ready for the action. No, that's, that's the only thing that I, I, I can say. No, just uh, I have what I have. And uh, with the tools that I have, Today, I, I hope to be competitive enough to, to give myself a chance. From my perspective, I am practicing quite well. <laughs> then <laughs> let's see what, what can happen now, but I am quite happy with the, with the practices. He's always very honest, so that is good to hear from Rafa Nadal. Take a look at this. This is the board. All-time major title leaders, Nadal leading everyone. Picked up his 22nd in Paris with his 14th Roland Garros title. He's actually 19-0 at majors this year. One Australia, one Roland Garros, and had to withdraw semifinals at Wimbledon. So hasn't lost a match there. Has played just one match, Paul, since, though, 
that abdominal injury at Wimbledon, lost to Borna Chorich. What are your expectations for Rafa here in New York? Well, the good news is, based on that screen, no one's going to get any closer, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Pete's not playing. Emerson's yeah. not playing. Emerson, I don't, I don't think Rocket's there. Rocket, he might yeah. be there, but he's he not playing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look, I, it's always so fun to listen to Rafa, and you can see the excitement and, and hear it in his voice, right? The guy just loves to play. You know, he loves to compete. It's always a concern for me when he hasn't gotten the match reps that he likes, and he's only gotten one since Wimbledon, right? He lost uh, to Borna Chorich in Cincinnati, so he hasn't got what he wanted, but he's been there all last week. I had the privilege of being on the court with him one day when he was practicing with Taylor Fritz, so I got to be out there for a little over two hours with him. He's hitting the ball fine. Jeannie's already talked about the conditions there, which is a little bit slower, which helps and hurts him. Mm. It, it hurts him a little bit because it's harder to finish the point. It helps because he's such a great defensive player. So a lot's going to be about his mindset. The one thing I will say with every great player, if they get through the first couple matches, watch out. And for Rafa, magnify that by 10. If he can get past the first couple rounds and play his way in, he's going to be very difficult to stop. I actually think that he has had time to prepare uh, will help him. He didn't do well in Cincinnati. He lost um, his first match. But I think for great players, they sometimes don't need those match reps, uh, as opposed to, like, the normal players like myself, where I like playing with a lot of matches. I feel like he's the type where, almost like Serena, where you can almost just, like, show up at a tournament and suddenly perform. And uh, he hasn't lost a Grand Slam match this year, so... Why would he lose one this week? <laughs> why, why would he, John? <laughs> Hasn't lost at a major this year. Also, keep in mind, he did not play last year. He did not play the previous year. And he won it in 2019. So he is riding a seven-match win streak at the U.S. Open. I think best of five will help him. It'll get him time to sort of ride out those rough patches. But, yeah, it's strange. I mean, one guy is this titanic champion. Right now he's leader of the GOAT race. He hasn't lost at a major. He's won this event multiple times. Why isn't he the favorite? And you say, oh, yeah, well, he's only played one match from Wimbledon, and he didn't win that. So I, I think you're absolutely right. I think if Rafa can play himself into this tournament, he will be the favorite week, too. But, you know, he's, he's riding what is essentially a, a two-match losing streak. Also controls his own destiny to return to world number one if he wins a record-tying fifth title in Flushing Meadows. The current world number one is Daniil Medvedev. He is also the defending champion at the U.S. Open, won his first major title there last year. Here's what he had to say recently. I always uh, love the tournament itself, like love being here, love the energy. Uh, and then for sure, starting with 2019, uh, starting uh, also playing good here, which uh, which is important. It's still like all these moments and especially the final against Rafa gives me goosebumps because it was something special which I'm never going to forget, which my team never going to forget because they, they suffered also because of my actions. And then they, they loved what happened in the end. And... Uh, I feel like, yeah, with, in New York, I have a special relationship with the crowd. I have no idea how it's going to go this year, but I'm happy to be here and happy to experience whatever is going to happen. No man has been a repeat champ at the U.S. Open since Roger Federer. That was more than a decade ago, Jeannie. What are your thoughts on Medvedev getting it done? I think he has a good shot at doing it. We all know that Daniel loves the U.S. Open. And as a player, when you feel good at an event, whether it's the city or the courts, that makes you play better. And so we've seen that from him over the years. I also really love his laid-back demeanor. He's, he's defending champ, but he's like, I have no idea how it's going to go. So I, I love that he's not putting pressure on himself, and he's really trying to enjoy the moment and enjoy the parts of New York and the crowd that he loves so much. 
I think that that's a really good point. We have some players come and they say, oh, New York's so chaotic. I haven't gotten used to it. And you're thinking, like, why give that up? That is not Daniil Medvedev. Um, no. I had the chance to talk to him on Thursday in, in Manhattan, and he loves New York. He was signing autographs for the fans. He's very comfortable. You know, he's only won one tournament since he won the title last year, but his record at the U.S. Open speaks for itself. Yeah, he's just one of these guys that, that to me, is just a little bit uh, of, a, of a curious question mark because you don't think at six foot six he should be as great as he is at his game. He, he's probably uh, forgetting Novak, the greatest counterpuncher and defensive player, and he plays in parts of the court at six foot six you shouldn't be able to play in. So, so to me, he is a great strategist. He loves New York. And I think most importantly, because he's had success here, understands what he needs to do in the big moments. And again, going back to conditions, you look mm. at conditions and you combine them with mindset. Okay, it's going to be slower conditions. That's good for Medvedev because he's a great defender. And the mindset, well, he's been there before and he's won here. So he knows what that takes. So again, this guy is going to be very difficult to stop. He's got the most hardcore wins, finals, and titles over the last five years on the ATP Tour. Then we've got a guy who beat Daniil Medvedev pretty recently. That's Nick Kyrgios. Uh, he has put himself back into contention, the most wins on tour since June, John. But he said, a big part of me just wants the U.S. Open to be over so I can go home, which Nick Kyrgios <laughs> is yeah. going to show up in <laughs> New York City. That's why we brought Jeannie in to solve the uh, <laughs> riddle of Nick Kyrgios. No, I, I mean, he's had a great summer, the, got to the finals of the previous major, and the guy that beat him is not in the draw. There's a lot of reasons you would pick this guy as, as a contender, and then the counterbalance of that is it's Nick Kyrgios. The draw gods did him no favor. Not, not only does he play his, his doubles partner, Kokonakis, his buddy, round one, but he's lurking there. We just talked about how much we all like Medvedev. Well, that's the first seed Kyrgios would play. I, who knows? He's, uh, he's the 23rd seed, so that's good. I mean, he's not playing a seeded player until the third round, but... Um, he could win this event, and he could lose his first-round match, and I don't think any of us would be particularly surprised either way. I agree completely. I think if there's any player that's a question mark, it's always Nick Kyrgios. I am so happy to see that he has found his form again and living up to more of his talent that we all, I think, expected from him over the past few years. I think he's great for tennis. Tennis needs a bad boy. He's the one. His comments that you just mentioned, Steve, prove that exactly. <laughs> he is at a Grand Slam and is talking about wanting to leave and go home. I mean, that is so quintessentially Nick Kyrgios. You know, you can't get more Nick than that. Um, I think he will have have a great match tonight though because he's playing his friend and I think they both will go and try to entertain the crowd mm. I think they'll try to have fun more than even trying to win the match mm. so we don't know what's going to happen but it'll be entertaining for us for sure it's such a great uh, a great question with Nick because we just don't know what we're going to get on the moment right and and you know we've seen some great tennis from him this summer and here in Washington DC winning the city open just playing tremendous tennis winning singles and doubles and then continuing to play well throughout the summer. I, I know in Cincinnati, look, he, he said he was tired. He was tired. And it's a lot of matches for a guy like this, especially to win, who has, I think, the amazing amount of talent, but also it's emotionally really draining for him to play because of the volatility, I think. It takes more out of him because he's so emotional about it. So I can see why he's a little bit feeling like the fuel tank's low, but I have a sneaking suspicion once he hears the crowd in New York City and he starts to get going a little bit, it's going to be interesting tonight against a good friend of his. It's really hard when you play a friend in a tournament, so that's going to be tough for both of these guys. But if he does get past this, I really want to see Kyrgios Medvedev. <laughs>
<laughs> that one I will watch from start to finish. Anytime Nick takes the court. Listen, I am all eyes on the television. He is box office. Can't wait to see that. Plus, he's playing doubles with Tanasi Kokonakis. They won the Australian Open. That's the men. We're talking about the women when we come back, and that means Coco Golf. Our experts say whether the 18-year-old can win her first major title. Stay with us. Please welcome the 2021 U.S. Open finalists. Amaranakanu authors one of the most improbable tennis stories we have ever seen. Welcome back, Paul, Steve, Jeannie, John on TC Live at the U.S. Open, presented by Evian. Emma Redekanu made history last year. The first qualifier, man or woman, to ever win a major singles title. So how is the defending champ feeling coming back to New York City? I think it's really nice to be back in New York. I mean, it's great for me to come here having done a year on the tour and uh, have, have having played most of the tournaments. Um, I'm... Yeah, I'm really happy to, with, you know, what I've sort of done this year and how, how I've come out of certain situations. But, um, yeah, I've obviously got amazing memories in New York. It's, you know, got to be up there as one of my favorite tournaments. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just happy to be back in the city as well. Well, the last woman to defend her title in New York was Serena Jeannie. What is it like to back up a big performance, a big breakthrough the very next year? Well, first of all, I hope she really enjoys this moment, walking around a Grand Slam, being the reigning champion. I think that's a special moment in someone's life. So to, first of all, just absorb feeling that good at a tournament. I do think it will be tough for her to defend. Uh, it's, it's really hard for anyone to do. And I feel like there's extra pressure on her to do it as well. I know in the press, which we didn't show here, but she was a little irritated when she got asked about um, defending and the pressure, and she kind of responded like, you know, the press is one, the ones who make up defending titles, and you guys are more concerned with pressure than I am. And so, um, you know, if she can just handle that and, and keep it together, then I think she'll have a better chance. But um, it's definitely there in her head, and it's what people are talking about. How about Jeannie jumping right in there, understanding the whole journalistic <laughs> side, Jay, the red, understanding all the pressure that the press put in. But it's a great point, right? When you see a player getting agitated, it's something that kind of sets off a little trigger in your mind because that means maybe they're a little bit on edge. And what Jeannie said is spot on. She has to go into this and just enjoy it. And just remember what she did last year. Have a great time. Look, she's doing, uh, she's doing fine. Unfortunately, when you win 10 matches in a row and you win the U.S. Open, and you live in the UK where life is in a fishbowl. There's a lot, I mean, the focus on her is incredible. It is an immense amount of pressure. So no wonder she's feeling a lot of, uh, a lot of that self-imposed pressure, but also the external pressure. So I think she's just got to go out and play. And look, Jeannie and I were talking about this beforehand. The women's draw, there's a lot of parity. There's a huge amount of opportunity. Is she one of the names in there? Absolutely. But there's probably almost 20 others you could throw in there as well. well Track record speaks for itself. Anyone can win. You know what? Because I did that last year coming right. from the quality draw. I mean, she has a rough first-round match against Alize Cornet, who's going to set a record and play in her 63rd straight oh. major. Um, I wonder if it isn't a disguised blessing for Radikanu if she does not have a smashing U.S. You know what? The, the, the points will go, but so will the pressure that you talk about. Careers are long. She's, already, she's 19. She's won. She's made millions of dollars. Like, life's good. If the spotlight backed off a little, I wonder if that doesn't help her 
long term. John Wertheim, the sports <laughs> psychologist. I love hey, you. Going you like the, diving in there, putting the glasses half We're full. I love all it. All about easy, you know. But he's right. Yes, hundred percent. Hundred percent. It's a win-win for her either way. She's still a teenager. Yeah, te she's exactly. got plenty exactly. of time. A lot of runway. Yep. You brought up her first-round opponent, Alizé Cornet. Tough. The yeah, French tough. woman is the player that ended the 37-match win streak of the top seed and the world number one, Iga Sviantec. What a streak it was. 37 wins in a row, longest in more than 30 years. But she has come back down to earth, going 4-4 four and four in her last eight matches, John. Which Iga shows up in New York? Yeah, that's a great question. And you sort of go big picture on this. She got this sort of battlefield promotion to number one, and boy, did she step right into that role. 37 matches. Again, that's one of the great streaks in recent history. Six tournaments. And since then, it's been rough going. She has been very vocal, uh, complaining about the equipment. She doesn't like the tennis balls at the U.S. Open. I don't know why. I mean, you, you tell me, but I don't know. Is, is that a tell to the opponent? I don't know why you'd make a, an issue like that and make your opponent aware you were so uncomfortable. That's exactly what I was thinking. I mean, she's it's clearly something that's in the back of her mind. And so I wonder when she gets on the court, if she starts missing, she'll start thinking about the balls and, and complaining about them even more. Um, the balls are light. They do fly. Some players like it. Some players don't. Um, and I personally do like that style of ball. I know a lot of other players actually voiced um, that they liked it as well. I think there was Madison Keys and Kvitova who liked the balls flying through the air more. Um, so Iga is a player who does not prefer that. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's the conditions and you just have to handle those. Yeah, and I think it's really important for her team, the people around her. You ask, well, what do you do about it, right? We know we heard that in Cincinnati. You know, if you're in her corner, if you're part of her team, the whole time this preparation is about, okay, it is what it is. What do we do? How do we get you in the right frame of mind so that you accept it? You can't control it, so you just accept it and move on. So this week, there should have been a lot of conversation with her team about saying, these are the conditions. This is New York. Here are the balls. This is the, court of the, this is the speed of the court. What are we going to do now so that you're in that relentless competitive mind where you don't get negative and don't create doubt? Iga Sviantec never been past the fourth round at the U.S. Open, but she won her second major of the year, second major of her career earlier this year against Coco Gauff. And the 18-year-old American is looking to take it one step further at the U.S. Open, get her first major title. She is on the cover of New York Times Magazine. She is on the verge of the top 10 in singles, Paul. She's already number one in the world in doubles. Everything is coming up Coco can she take it one step further, Paul? Well, I don't see why not. You know, we've talked about a number of those names, and she's one of them. There's no reason why, when you look at this, this board and her credentials and the fact that she's been the finals of Roland Garros, she's getting more comfortable at the elite level of the game, number one in the world in doubles. So I think she's understanding more and more what needs to be done. She's accepting it. She's, in my opinion, one of the best relentless competitors out there. No matter what's going on, she tries to figure out how to problem solve. And with her skill set, she can do that. The two question marks we talk about technically is our forehand and her serve, her second serve, what's going to happen under pressure. So that's going to be about her and her team to figure out, just like talking about the tennis balls, but you can control your serve, you can control your forehand. How do you find safe targets and pressure? How do you relinquish the pressure when there is a little bit of a flaw in your game? And she's so great. To me, it's, it's not a matter of if, it's just when. And it could be here, 
but I'm a little concerned about a couple of things. One is, and most importantly, the ankle that she hurt in Cincinnati. Is she 100% ready mm -hmm. to go? She says she is, so let's hope so. And the second thing is what happens in the big pressure moments? Is she ready to sit back and problem solve with the strokes that are a little bit more vulnerable to her? Should be interesting. Uh, your New Balance, Coco, it is New Balance. That, that New York Times magazine, the, the cover story, it said, can Coco Goff, the tennis prodigy, become a tennis legend? We just talked about a teenager. She's only 18. How does she handle that kind of pressure? It's a lot, but I think there's so much upside to Coco. I think she's a great player. I think the conditions at the U.S. Open can be helpful for her. So there's that. And I do believe that she she's such a competitor, like Paul said, that she can maybe bring the crowd into it. I've seen her previous U.S. Open matches, and the crowd goes crazy, and she's just finding a way to win and, and succeeding a lot of the time. So I wouldn't put a passer to, to make a big run here. Um, and then I think at the end it would just come down to if she can handle the moment. Being an American, playing at the U.S. Open, is obviously another layer of pressure. We keep talking about pressure all morning, but that's what tennis is. It's pressure very is mental. a privilege. It is a privilege, <laughs> as the great BJK said, but um, you got to be able to, to learn how to handle it. And, and she's so young, so I just think there's just so much greatness ahead for her. In keeping with our pressure theme, I mean, you, you can't exaggerate how big Coco is in New York right now. I mean, outside the Players Hotel, there is a billboard with Coco. You drive out to the site and you go through the Midtown Tunnel, and the first face you see is, is Coco. She's really become sort of the, the face of this tournament. It's funny, though, that we, we talk as much about sort of technical side of her game as we do any of the pressure because she is seen herself as being, she's completely comfortable. Again, she, she's out there on Kids Day. She loves doubles. There is so much to like about her fitting into this tennis culture. I would think that a little bit of a hitchy serve or a hitchy forehand is much easier to clean up than someone who isn't comfortable with, with all the attention she's getting. But that's why we talk about her strokes. I'm not worried about yeah, her mentality right, exactly. at all. The mentality is not going to be a problem, right. but the strokes are the one thing that once in a while we see it creep in. And Jeannie, as you know, in the big moments under pressure, if you're great mentally, that's perfect. But if you're great mentally but have a little bit of doubt about a shot, that's a problem. And that's going to show up quarters, semis, finals of a major. In the last 18 majors on the women's side, we have had 10 first-time champions. I say, why not, Coco? Our experts are going to make their predictions on who's going to win it all coming up later in the show. Coverage of the U.S. Open begins every morning with our two-hour TC Live pregame show, 9 a.m. Eastern. ESPN carries the day session at noon and the night session at 7 p.m. Eastern. Much more still to come after this. Welcome back. Our Cadillac player arrivals continue. There is Queen V, two-time U.S. Open champion. She's playing doubles their little sister Serena when they make a Grand Slam doubles final they don't lose 14 and 0 American Stevie Johnson his daughter Emma <laughs> how cute is she oh my gosh the pigtails amazing and his wife Kendall there as well everybody coming in on day one of the U.S. Open a reminder that Tennis.com is your source for all the news, scores, and info at the U.S. Open. Right now, Steve Tigner has your three to see. John Burcock with a Serena record that may never be broken. Matt Cronin on Maxime Cressy. But first, looking at red carpets, it's time for our daily dose of Prakash Worldwide. What is going on, everyone? It's your boy, Prakash Worldwide, and this is No Limit NYC. Today we are checking in on the biggest story of the summer. The Queen, Serena Williams, 
retiring from the game of tennis and playing her final U.S. Open. To me, she's always been a symbol of impossible is nothing. Let's see what she means to everybody else. We got three superheroes here, multiverse, Spider-Man. Original Spider-Man. Original Spider-Man. And we got your, your suntan Superman over here. The queen is going to retire after this year. So how far is she going to go? I think she's going to win. You think she's going to win the US Open? Yeah. Serena Williams is a monster on the tennis court. Incredible skill, incredible dedication to the craft. And she's a testament of how fathers and mothers and families can play a huge part in the development of our youth. That's beautiful. Yo, you don't have COVID, right? I'm really close to you. No, sir. I got my vaccination card right here in the bag. There's the Rena Roar. It's six U.S. Opens for Serena Williams. She's a beast. She's outstanding to watch. She's like a nonstop battery. Keep going and going and going. She's a little too young to know Serena Williams. No, yeah, yeah she is. Yeah. I think we should all get tickets and come out to our match. What do you guys think? Yeah. I think she could compete with some of the guys. All the things that she's doing, it really inspires me as a female minority woman. She's a star. Good luck, Serena Williams. Wishing you the best of luck. Awesome stuff, Prakash. The people's champ. More from P throughout the week at the U.S. Open. A reminder, the newly enhanced USOpenShop.org is the official shop for the 2022 U.S. Open merchandise. Get U.S. Open gear for the whole family. Check out a variety of one-of-the-kind U.S. Open accessories. Visit USOpenShop.org today. Predictions when we come back on TC Live. TC Live at the U.S. Open is brought to you in part by Cadillac. Be iconic. Minutes away from first ball on day one. Time for People Magazine stars in the stands. It's our guy, the Hall of Famer, Andy Roddick. He was at an event this week. John playing a little ping pong with Amanda Anasimova. He's a great ping pong player. I like the shoes. It is, uh, what is it, 19 years since he won the title, but still uh, very much a presence at the U.S. Open. Last American man to win a major. And uh, another one of our guys, uh, Paul Wesley, Ian Summerhalder, both from Vampire Diaries at the Tennis Channel and Brothers Bond Bourbon pre-U.S. Open kickoff event at Hole in the Wall in Murray Hill. Paul Wesley, huge tennis fan. People Magazine stars in the stands. There are going to be a lot of stars watching Serena Williams tonight, John. But it is time for your stat of the day. The music plays. You know what it is. Oh, it's like Hurdle. I know that, dude. <laughs> um, where are we? Let's, let's talk about this wide open draw. How open is it? Here are five former champions. What do they have in common? They are each unseated. It would have been sixth if Angie Kerber, uh, congratulations to her, had not pulled out with ending motherhood. So we've got five former champions of the U.S. Open who are unseated. Mm. Only one seated player, and that's Emma Raducanu. You're always finding champion. stuff that, like that just, one? just slips right, away well, from us. It's just in the <laughs> atmosphere somewhere, but you're getting See? creative. I, like I love that. this I one because it's not just Grand Slam champions, but specifically U.S. Yeah, Open. Yeah, U.S. Open. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that's... Pretty remarkable. Yeah. Big uh, open field. Yep. Setting the bar high for your stat of the day. Well, we're going to ease into these. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Featured matches on day one, Arthur Ashe Stadium. What a day. We've got the defending champ on the men's side. We've got Coco Goff in action and then the night session. Serena Williams, you heard Stacey Allister say earlier, win or lose, 
There is going to be a celebration of Serena Williams on court, taking on Donka Kovinich. And then the all-Aussie battle, mm-hmm. Nick Kyrgios, Tanasi Kokonakis. We've been waiting two hours for this. Who's going to win the U.S. Open? Prediction time. Paul, I'm going to start with you. Your women's champ and your men's champ. Well, although I, I received much verbal abuse from my counterparts <laughs> on the couch, mm-hmm. I'm going with the status quo of Daniel Medvedev, number one seed, mm-hmm. and Iga Sviantek, number one seed. Ooh, I'm, not wow. sure my, I'm not sure my partners <laughs> in crime were really thrilled Two with me. Liners. Yeah, <laughs> reaching way out on the limb. But, uh, look, there's a lot of parity throughout both draws, so I, I, I ignore numbers. I just went with my gut there. Okay, going, going top seeds. Uh, Jeannie, what do you think? Women first, then men. So I'm going to go with some OGs. I'm going to go with Simona Halep for the women and Rafa Nadal for the men. I think you can never really count great champions out. I find they always rise to the occasion, especially at big events like a Grand Slam. It's the last one of the year, so I think we'll see their best. Ooh, see, you are obeying one of my rules, and I'm now going to break, because usually I I feel like you have to win a major to be the favorite at a major. Uh, with Nadal and Halep, obviously qualify. I'm going. Uh, I'm going off the menu a little bit, though. I'm going with youth. I'm thinking Carlos Alcaraz. Mm. But cooled off a little bit from the spring, but uh, had a nice breakthrough last year at the U.S. Open. And then I like Coco. I just I'm think going two youths. I'm going two, two teenagers. Wow. And, uh, two youths. Two, two youths. teenagers. <laughs> com- combined age less than Serena Williams. <laughs> I think this is going to be one of these wacky majors where we have. I mean, I, I don't think a qualifier is winning for the second year in a row, but um, I think we have an off-the-menu champion and. Going with a couple teenagers. Well, all right. I agree what with you, you, Coco. Yeah, I'm going you with John's Coco pick, okay. and I'm going with Jeannie's Rafa pick. Okay. All right. Let's split the difference. So, <laughs> I think he's going to get his third base. He's going to get to 23. We'll see what Serena does. Obviously, Novak Djokovic, not there, Paul. Uh, was not allowed in the country, not vaccinated. Uh, what are your thoughts on Novak for the rest of the season now, passing up, you know, an opportunity to play for a, a major title? Yeah, I think Stacy answered your question well. No, it's not a U.S. Open decision. It's mm. U.S. government. So it's a shame for Novak and for other foreigners that can't come in. But, you know, we all live in and have to deal with our own decisions. I think he's going to finish the year really strong through the, through the uh, indoor season to make a statement. That's just me. But then these guys are going to go against me because they already ridiculed my picks for the – you guys can so, shoot me down. Go ahead. I won't the, feel bad. The number one seeds on the top line of the draw, they're going to win. And Novak Djokovic is going to have a strong <laughs> Way fall. Way to go. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> out on the limb. Out on the limb. Just knock them dead. <laughs> Uh, tennis balls will be round. There might be a net separating <laughs> the this two. This is why we love John coming into town. Uh, where else can I get ridiculed like this? Oh, stop. I, I mean, I think when we back up, I think we're going to say, wait a second, this guy was in the not just winning majors, but making history, and he voluntarily took himself out of contention for two of four majors. We can debate vaccines and policy and wisdom, but I just think the fact that Novak Djokovic has done this volitionally, right? I mean, you see the lengths players will go to to try and heal in time for majors. Andy Murray, Serena playing to keep playing majors, to have the opportunity to play everyone physically you're able and essentially make a choice not to play two of four is just this. This is going to be something we're going to be reflecting on for many years, I think. Cannot wait for day one. Great job being yeah. back. Great to have Jeannie Welcome back. Welcome back, Jeannie. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. We'll do it again tomorrow. It was that good. Done. And you can see, of course, TC Live at the U.S. Open, presented by Evian every morning, 9 a.m. Eastern. Next up, it is our salute to Serena Williams. The 2009 Wimbledon final, a classic between the legendary sisters, Serena and Venus. For Jeannie, Paul, and John, and our entire team, I'm Steve Weisman. Thanks so much for joining us on TC Live. We'll see you tomorrow morning.